Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1987 to look at Canon's Masters of the Universe. That's it guys, we're going to be going back to 1987. But today I have a very special guest. He's a podcast legend. I've been listening to his show for four years. It's Dan Bone from the podcast on Haunted Hill. How are you doing Dan? Hey, I'm doing really well. How are you doing RJ? Yeah, it's great to have you here, mate. It's, uh, as I said before, mate, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. We didn't meet in that queue going to a John Carpenter gig all those years ago. <laughs> I know, funny how things uh, work out, isn't it? And now here I am appearing on your show, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, like I say, mate, it's good to have you here. Um, I was going to say, mate, was if you just want to tell us a little bit about your show, because... Uh, there may be some people listening to the show. I don't know how many listens I actually have, but there might be some people who don't know about your show. So just, do you want to tell us a little bit about the podcast on Haunted Hill? Absolutely. So yeah, we're the podcast on Haunted Hill. It's me and my buddy Gavin, and we generally put out one to two shows a month, about two to four hours each. Yes, that's right. Two to four hours each. We are very self-indulgent. We cover a couple of horror movies per episode. You can find us on uh, the Legion uh, network, uh, same place that you'll find this amazing show. Um, we're, on, we're on Facebook too, and YouTube, all the usual places. And Gav and I just like to have a lot of fun, sometimes a beer or two. We talk absolute nonsense. Uh, Nicholas Cage sometimes joins us. Not the real <laughs> Nicholas Cage, obviously. Yes. Um, and that's kind of me, really. I've been doing the doing the show for about coming up to seven years now, believe it or not. That's crazy. Wow, man, that's pretty good. Yeah, like I said, I've been listening to your show now for about four years, and I've got to say, mate, I've really enjoyed it. I've picked up a few tricks from your show as well for bite-sized cinema. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, man, it's just it's been good, and there's there's been quite a sort of there's a, there's a good little family there as well, isn't there? There's like other people that listen and interactions and everything. It's, it's um it's a bit yeah. Of a we have a well. we have a good little family on the podcast of on, on, well, as we call it, the Haunted Hill family. Yeah, and we said wasn't it? You was gonna you said if it was gonna be a pub, it'd be like the Haunted Hill pub, and we'll sort of congregate down there. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic if only if only. Yeah, and the other thing I was going to mention, Dan. Um, You've done a bit of acting as well, haven't you? You've been, uh, you and Gav have done like independent movies and stuff like that. I just thought I'd talk about that. Yeah, of course. So Gav and I set up many, many years ago, um, Deadbolt Films, which is a, um, an indie film production company. And we wrote a bunch of scripts, some um, feature length, a couple of sort of very short ones. We did make a couple of features, one of which I was a... Um, one of the main characters in I played a, a very silly cop called Craven who thought <laughs> he was uh, the next John McClane. Yeah. Um, and I've done a few uh, little bits here and there. Um, I do love acting, but I'm more comfortable behind the scenes with the writing and stuff like that. And the reason I do a podcast, RJ, is I've been told I've got a face for radio or a face for podcasts. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm- I'm with you there, buddy. Yeah, that's a common trait with me. I've said I've always got a good face for the radio. I'm doing really, really well with that. So <laughs> I'm not even sure about that sometimes. Eh? You know? <laughs> no, it's good stuff, man. It's it's brilliant. Like I say, it's, that's the thing I like about um, social media is that you can meet people like yourself, you know, because I think, um, funny enough, when I like to talk about horror, not everybody that I know likes to talk about horror. 
if you know what I mean. And then yeah. I can come on to like listening to a podcast and uh, meet the guys on Legion, and we we've all got the similar sort of uh, interest, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah. And I, just I mean, we cover to... horror mainly, but <clears throat> we do sometimes branch out and cover some of the more sci-fi, fantasy, cult movies. I'm very jealous of your show because you do cover I said to you re- recently we, you do cover such a broad spectrum of movies that yeah. sometimes I, I feel Gav and I should push it a little bit I don't know if I'll get him to cover Masters of the Universe but I, I can certainly try one day <laughs> well you've steered the ship on a few few occasions mate I think especially with your latest one Leprechaun you sounded oh, pretty enthusiastic with that <laughs> yeah, I had to really uh, give Gav some you know some positive vibes on that one because he wasn't yeah. feeling it too much well, you've, you've taken him through the Critters franchise, mate. I reckon you could do anything, do you know what I mean? It's a wonder that he still, A, is a friend of mine, and B, wants to podcast with me with some of the crap that I've put him through. Honestly, I do apologise, Gav. I do apologise, my friend. I love you. You get on just fine, guys. Oh, I love it. And that's what I like about your show. You you, you both love horror, but you're both two different people, if that makes sense. And you, the way you talk to each other just bounces off really well, so... That's a bit of feedback yeah. there for your show from me, mate. So oh, keep, thanks, keep doing RJ. what you're doing, buddy. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing, man. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, should we have a look at Master of the Universe then and talk about all its glory? Indeed, <laughs> yeah. Are this. we going to go into a trailer then? Yeah, so let's go to Eternia. Let's go to Castle Grayskull. Oh. Let's play you guys a trailer and we'll see you soon. At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them to get down and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No! Somebody help me! distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. Welcome back, guys. So the synopsis of this film is a heroic warrior, He-Man, battles against evil Skeletor and his armies of darkness for the control of Castle Grayskull. It's a PG, it's got 106 minute runtime, and it's got 5.4 on IMBD. I think that could be a little bit higher than that, I think, but there you go. That's a, that's a shame. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, a, it's become a cult movie now, isn't it? This, it has. Uh, 
And it's almost like um, films that didn't do well at the box office, it's almost like they do become cult movies, don't they, in the end? It um, seems to be one of those things, doesn't it? Well, to, to quote you, um, in the last couple of shows, episodes you've done of your show, and I really agree with this, actually, you've said you don't agree with a film's success being attached to the amount of money it's made. Oh, yeah. Because Masters of the Universe did make some money, but... Uh, the toys it was based on were the highest-selling toys, and, and I believe one of the highest-selling toy uh, lines of any of, of ever, really. So this movie had a lot to live up to, um, and it just didn't do as well. But like you say, over the years, there's many He-Man fans out there, people our age that grew up with He-Man, and you get a bit of a soft spot for this movie, really. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's, it's a fun movie, and yeah, like what you just said there, I, I do try to back up a movie like that. If it hasn't made any, if it hasn't made enough money, it's not that it's a bad movie. It still made um, seventeen million dollars at the box office, and that is in nineteen eighty-seven. And when you look at the other films that were out in nineteen eighty-seven, there's there's quite a lot to go to the cinema, isn't there? And the other thing is, people only had the option to go to the cinema back then, didn't they? So um, yeah. they could only spend their money on sort of one thing, I guess. You know. So, um, but yeah, no, it's become a cult movie. Um, it was directed by Gary Goddard, and looking on the internet, it's, this was the only film that he directed. He didn't, he didn't direct any other movies. Yeah, he uh, didn't do an awful lot with his career. No, he, I think he made a, a sci-fi show in the nineties. I can't remember what it was. I should have written it down. I think it was um, Captain uh, Captain Power. You got it. Trust you to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. An interesting show, just on a very small tangent, um, because it was a live, it was an interactive show. You could right. buy like a laser tag gun right. and you could shoot at the TV and it would shoot back or something. It was supposed to be this really high concept, but it didn't really work as well as they liked and it flopped. Oh, right. Yeah, I think. Wow. Sounds yeah. pretty cool. I, I, I can't even remember it, but um, it, it sounds a bit like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or something like that in that sort of league. Um, but it's written by uh, David Odell, and it was actually the guy who wrote The Muppet Show and The, the Dark what? Crystal. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know, mate. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Dan, that's bite-sized cinema for you, mate. I already do <laughs> drag some stuff up here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also written, he also wrote Supergirl with Helen Slater as well. Um, Love that movie. That's a good movie, yeah. So, And the music as well, that's worth mentioning, uh, Bill Conti. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, he did Rocky. He did the yeah. Rocky soundtrack. So, um, and of course, I actually own the soundtrack. You do, do you? Oh, right. Obviously, okay. as, as a massive He-Man fan, yeah, I obviously yeah. own the soundtrack. But um, it's got very similar riffs to um, uh, Superman, hasn't it? The very first Superman movie. It's very um, John Williams, isn't it? I mean, I, it is. I, I watched the film last night, and I haven't, I haven't actually watched it for a while. And I did think, wow, this is like real, like say, Star, um, Superman, Star Wars. You know, it's got the um, sort of like the March of the Stormtroopers type yeah. soundtrack. Um, and it's also, it's a canon movie, Dan. Hey, oh, we we're doing together. a canon movie. <laughs> Golden Globus and always glory, eh? Oh, oh man. They they really did have a fun time, didn't they, in the 80s? You know, it's it's... You, you've said it yourself, I've said it myself on our individual shows. When you see that logo, you're in for a treat. Yeah, that's right. You, 
it, it, and that's the thing that's worth mentioning as well isn't it when you see these logos because um, I know, know Dan you grew up in the same sort of time I did where we only had TVs with no internet or anything like that so uh, I think it'd be in about the 90s I'll be in my bedroom probably about 11 o'clock at night Canon would come on and you think right what's this going to be you, you, you kind of know it's going to be a good film don't you? do you know what I mean same, yeah. same with um uh, I think I've mentioned Orion pictures as well. They, they were the same with Rambo oh, yeah. and Robocop. And Robocop. Oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but they did. They, they really went for it as well, didn't they? The Golden Globers brothers with Canon. They just seemed to just churn out all these films. Um, they they did. And, and I'm sure you're going to mention this, but yeah. uh, just to say, unfortunately, this was one of the last movies that Canon really did. And this was one of the ones that started their closure really wasn't it they didn't make enough money off of it yeah they um they got to the the end of their sort of career here didn't they with this um yes yeah. was it superman for yeah so they they put aside a big pot of money to make a spider-man movie oh wow and james cameron and a few other people were attached to direct here and there hmm. and in the end they decided well look he-man's doing really well in the toy aisles so let's split the money that we would have spent on the Spider-Man movie. Let's put half of it in the Masters of the Universe pot and the other half in the Superman Quest for Peace pot. And unfortunately, both movies failed super hard. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, really. I I think out of the two movies, I would have thought that this one might have done a bit better because the quality of Superman wasn't very good, was it? I mean, that was pretty bad. Um, But with Very very low budget for that one. Very low budget. But I think they cut the budget... Um, on Superman, they also almost uh, pulled the plug on this as well. Um, they did, yeah. Right at the end, didn't they? They almost like stopped. They, they did, it. yeah. The final scenes were um, very hashed together because they'd said, We're stopping production on this. You basically got however many days left to, to wrap up. And they still had the whole huge fight scene between Skeletor and He Man to film, yeah. which is why it looks so. So strange, I guess, in that there's there's not a lot of background in there. Most of the crew had been sent home, really. So they just really put together the the stunt choreographer Anthony DeLongis that plays Blade in this movie. Oh yeah, that's he right. Put, yeah, yeah. He, he put together a very I don't know how quick it took it was, but they put together a fight scene between him and uh, Dolph Lundgren and Frank Langella, and then he doubled Frank Langella. Frank uh, John, sorry, Anthony DeLongis doubled Frank Langella for a lot of the shots and they just whacked it together in only a couple of days because they knew that, that it was the end really they yeah. had no money left yeah I did hear that the uh, Blade character like you just said he was um, the choreographer wasn't he for all the fights like you say yeah he's a very cool um, weapon his title his job title is awesome his job title is weapons master and he's been in lots of movies either in the background or just training people like he trained um, Michelle Pfeiffer to use her whip in Batman Returns oh, okay. he trained uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones to use the whip in the Zorro movie uh, he's he's an ex he's, he's worldwide known as one of the best whip masters if you believe it or not um he's awesome with swords as well anything from ninja swords brawl swords like Dolph Lundgren uses in this so the guy's like an awesome um uh weapons master and I did see he does go to a lot of the masters of the universe uh sort of conventions in America and I saw a clip from a couple of years ago where he had his wife hold an apple or or maybe she was holding a match and he lit the match with the whip or something crazy right. like that from 10 feet away. Yeah. Crazy. Still got it. <laughs> like William Tell. 
It was. Um, it's funny it's called Blade, because when I was watching it last night, I thought that he reminded me of one of the characters out of Blade 2, if you know what I mean. You know where they sort yeah, of form an alliance. Yeah, the, the blood pack. Yeah, he just reminded me of one of the um, vampires in that. And uh, yeah, just it's just one of, when I watch these films, there's always I'm always like this. I think, oh yeah, that's like that. Well, that's like from that film. Yeah, no, <laughs> just, totally, totally. Always link things in. I always link things in. I'm the same. I'm just always doing that, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> and the other thing it reminded me of, well, we'll get into this later on when we review the movie. There's a little bit of Kroll in there as well with like the Slayers and the um was it like the robotic characters in this obviously yeah Skeletor's like skeletors troopers they do yeah. have that crawl vibe about them don't they yeah especially with their laser beams and then you've got yeah um he-man taking them out with a sword just reminded me of that a little bit so yeah totally i can see that totally yeah, maybe so... crawl exists in this universe oh it could do couldn't it yeah oh yeah could you imagine that old prince colwyn turning up with his glaive <laughs> <laughs> don't worry i'll take this everybody thing is though Dan if that's Golden that is the Golden Globers brothers that's what they would probably do wouldn't they they'd just go shall we just sort of hybrid this with another movie yeah okay you know (laughs) why not they were shrewd businessmen (laughs) but going back onto canon this is probably the straightest canon movie that was made wasn't it really compared to you know like Revenge of the Ninja and things like that, you know, back in the early days. So. Yeah, I guess this and the Chuck Norris movies, um, other than that, they did some very off-the-wall stuff, didn't they? Yeah. Very off-the-wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I think it said, they famously quoted, um, is it, not all, not all of our movies are good, but sometimes we do make good ones or something like that. It was something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> so, yeah. So, there's Canon. Um what else we got on here? So what I'll do is I'll quickly just uh, shout out the cast members in this. So you obviously you've got mm. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Oh, um, legend. Frank Lagella uh, as Skeletor. And I didn't realise he was the guy that was in Frost Nixon. The guy that yeah. was Nixon. I didn't realise that was him. Yeah, he's a um, really established actor. Quite often he comes up as one of the number one um, villains. In this, even though this movie is slated, just because he put his heart and soul into yeah. the, the role, really. Yeah, no, I um, I never knew that. Um, Meg Foster, she's great as Evil Lynn in this, isn't she? <laughs> What's fantastic about her is a lot of people said commented on afterwards saying they really love the crazy contact lenses that they put in the character for yeah. her. That turns out that was just her real eyes. She's yeah. got crazy eyes. She has, isn't she? Yeah, because I noticed that when because she's in uh, They Live, isn't she? Um, she is. Yeah. She kicks a uh, rowdy Roddy Piper out of the window. I did notice that more in that film. She got really weird, you know. Like I say, her eyes are just almost like draw you in somehow. Very scary. We've got your mate here, mate. Uh, old Betty Barty, old Gwilder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, there's a character that steals the show, isn't he? <laughs> and he has been in so many movies, like Willow. You know, he's a very famous little person, you yeah. know, as, as they say. And he kind of, he, he's got a very distinct voice. He's kind of got one eye half shut. And even through all the Gwildor makeup in this, you still see that it's Billy Barty. And he's just very silly, fun character, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he almost steals the show in some ways, doesn't he, really? You know, just just give the they, um They put him in this because they couldn't afford to do Orco from right. the cartoons. So they 
they figured let's we need still need a small funny little comic relief so they put him in this instead yeah did that work for you being a he-man fan did that sort of was you i mean with that? i was nine when this movie came out and yeah. I, I i proclaimed to be one of the biggest masters of the universe he-man fans of all time and i know that this movie gets a lot of the hate this movie gets is because they brought characters in that weren't in the comics or the yeah. toys it didn't bother me at all when i was nine or ten it was fucking brilliant you know no. so I've, I've got to admit, yeah, I think I pre- even when I was younger, I appreciated that the Orco effect would probably have been quite a high task back in the mid-80s. But yeah, it was mm. fine. Um, Courtney Cox, uh, obviously from Friends. She's probably probably one of her most famous roles, isn't it? This, this um, is her first role in a movie as well. Yeah, that's right. Because um, you mentioned, who is it who is in, funny enough, in Leprechaun? Um, yeah, fun. I was just about to say that. We covered, on the podcast on Today, we covered Leprechaun on our last episode, and that was Jennifer Aniston's first movie role. So here we are. There's another connection for you, RJ. <laughs> And you had, funny enough, Willow in that, didn't you? So we got a bit of a tie. Oh, over yeah. There. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> wow. The universe. <laughs> um, John Cypher as Man of Arms. Again, I think he does a great job in this. He's you know, he's proper sort of tough guy, isn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, Chelsea Field as Teela. And Mr. Strickland from Back to the Future's <laughs> in this <laughs> Uh, James Tolkien, Detective Lubick, he plays, but he's great as well. And he, do you know what I mean? He's just brilliant, and he, you know. He's, I only uh, really know him from the Back to the Future movies in this, and I'm sure you know your listeners are going to be shouting at me now, saying, "Hang on a minute, he's in this, he's in that." But those those two roles are so good, and they're kind of the same character, but not, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Um, yeah, I I can't really think of anything else that he was in. And you and I both watch a lot of movies, so I, I, I can't really think of anything. But um, hell, I'll take that as an actor, wouldn't you? You know, Mr. Yeah, Strickland, Mr. Lou Bick in Masters of the University, he's, he does it great <laughs> in this. So. Um, so, yeah, that's the cast. We've mentioned a little bit of trivia, but what I was going to say, Dan, what, you've already mentioned it before, but um, yeah, you're, you know, Master of the Universe, Heat Man, you're, you're a big fan of it, mate. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that when you was growing up? Did you sort of collect the figures and all that sort of stuff? Or? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, so I was born in 78, so <clears throat> He-Man uh, was released, I believe, 83, 84, the cartoon came out, and the toys about a year before that. And for some reason, I was my parents just bought me them, and, they, and it, it became this obsession for me. Yeah. at a young age it started my collecting almost and my mum and dad could see that and they bought between me and my sister they bought us pretty much and we weren't spoiled we didn't have a lot of money but they they managed to get us pretty much every figure that we we that, that was out that was available really yeah. um you know even my sister got into the she stuff as well oh, wow. um I always, I've said this many times on the podcast on Haunted Hill, but I'm happy to say again, my favourite Christmas memory is receiving Castle Grey Skull at Christmas. That was just oh, an yeah. incredible toy to receive imagine. as a kid. Um, yeah, I could imagine know. that. I could absolutely imagine that. I imagine that is a very, very good memory of yours. It's um, yeah. such a great toy, wasn't it, back in the day? I mean, I, I didn't see. I didn't have any um, He-Man. I had Star Wars, so I think you kind of had one or the other. But my it cousins, was kind of like that, wasn't it? Yeah, my cousins had um, He-Man, so and they were great. They're really, really well made as well, weren't they? Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's, uh, we mentioned they this. all had an action feature. They all, they all were very individual, bright colours. You know. Yeah. 
everything that you want from a toy. And I seem to remember you used to push a button and things would change on them, wouldn't they? Like the chest yeah. would get battered in or something like that. And yeah, some of the characters would have a neck that would pop out. And there was other ones that would stick to the wall with their mouth. You'd have ones that would fly down ropes. So many different things. Um, but I'm a big cartoon guy as well, as I'm, as I'm sure you know, RJ, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and to let your listeners know. And, and again, this had a cartoon attached to it, you know. And yeah. although the cartoon and the toys were different, as is this movie, um, that was just my jam. And I'd get home from school when I was sort of five or six. Yeah. That would be on, and I would l- be lost in that world. Um, I've got a really funny memory, actually, if you want to, about my finding out I was going to be having a brother. So oh. I was watching, I remember watching He-Man yeah. and uh, my mum came in the room to say she was pregnant and she was going to, I was going to be having a little brother. Right. So, uh, and I remember just looking at her so angrily that she would put mute on the TV during He-Man to tell me that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what a horrible little kid I was. <laughs> Dan, you horrible kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching He Man. <laughs> oh man, yeah. But that thing is, though, mate, that's what you do when you're a kid. Sometimes that you just don't realise, and that's that's how much these cartoons mean to you as well, doesn't it? I mean, as much as you love your brother, obviously, but it's just, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That, that is, um, I suppose, in some ways, the power of these, you know, the cartoons and toys. They and what have the power. Oh, yeah, yeah, bloody hell. There's, there's no pun there. <laughs> <That's all>. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, no, that's great, man. Um, oh, I was going to say something then, but what was I going to say? Did um, you? So you were Star Wars. You didn't have many of the toys. Did you watch the cartoon? I oh yeah yeah I watched the cartoon yeah I think like I say it was just um, for Christmas I I was into the Star Wars so I had all the Attan and the Millennium Falcons. But, um, yeah, loved the, loved the cartoon. It, I think uh, everybody's watching it back then. I seem to remember it being on. Um, quite a lot during the summertime, wasn't it? Do you remember when it was on the summer holidays? You used to play it. Yeah, it was always on about three, four in the afternoon. Yeah. Skeletor was just one of those villains, isn't he, as well? You know, he's he's up there, you know. He's, he, everybody knows who he is, whether you've seen the cartoon or not. Everybody's just like, oh, Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's a great impression of him. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> thing is though he's, he's a good bad guy isn't he do you know what i mean and i think with he-man the bad guys are just as good as the the good guys if that makes sense do you know what i mean they're, 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 they're kind glorious of better, aren't they? yeah they're kind of a bit better you know badass you know uh, oh yeah but um yeah just uh amazing times um with all that um because uh, hang on, sorry, mate. I'm losing my bloody Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> I put you off. <laughs> it's a, it's my plan a, is working. <laughs> it's that um, impression of yours there, mate. Um, yeah. So, we've spoken about that. Um, is there any other trivia about this film that you want to talk about? A couple of little bits, if you wouldn't mind, if, yeah. I, if I may be so bold. Yeah. Um, a couple of funny, funny bits. You may not, you may not know. You may, I don't know. But there was a character in this movie called Pig Boy. Right. Yeah, I did read about this, but yeah, keep carry on there, mate. Yeah, tell us this story. I like this story actually. Yeah. So Mattel in the eighties mm. ran a contest. <laughs> uh, Mattel made the Masters Universe movies, and they ran a contest and said, you know, enter the contest, and the winner gets a role in the Masters of the Universe movie. 
yeah. <laughs> so uh, this one kid called Richard Sponder, yeah. he won won it. Obviously, extremely excited. You know, kid who was probably eight or nine, he's getting flown out to appear in the Masters of the Universe movie. By the time he got there, they'd already pulled the plug on it. They had no budget left, so they put him in a pig mask and put him in a background. <laughs> Yeah, I did read this story, mate. I thought, God, <laughs> you imagine this kid, eh? <laughs> he got a credit in the end credits, Pig yeah, Boy, in his name. And, and he's kind of, because uh, I'm in the He-Man community, which sounds as nerdy as it is. Oh, yeah, um, and he okay. he's kind of one of the um, cult characters that he's talked about. You know, he's in the can- he's in he's in the storyline. Everybody knows him. He's, he's got a backstory now that's been written by the fans over the years. Oh, Pig what? Boy. Okay. What, what, what a strange name, isn't it, for a He-Man character? Do you know what I mean? In fact, all, all the names they use, just Pig Boy, you know what I mean, for this kid. I, w- I would have bought him. I would have bought Pig well, Boy. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, I suppose, you know, characters like that do become cult and iconic. And the funny thing is, now, after I read that, when I watched the film yesterday, I couldn't sort of not see it, if that makes sense. You know, all the times yeah. I watched this film, now I watch it, I think, oh, there, there he is, there's Pig Boy. So um, I can't not see that now. But no, it's great, man. <laughs> Um, uh, a couple of other little tangents that I know yeah. you'll love because they're linked to other movies. Oh, right, okay. So during some of the chase scenes with He-Man on the hoverboard, which we'll talk about when we, when we cover the movie, yeah. they used, again, they were just trying to save money, so they bought and reused miniature buildings from Ghostbusters 2 and Blade Runner in the background. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, That's quite that. interesting. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that when they tie over, and that tends to happen quite a lot in these films, having yeah. uh, reviewed it. Especially the canon movies, where they're just trying to save all that money. Yeah. Save that money. I mean, the, the other bit, I mean, we both know this, was there was going to be a sequel, wasn't there? And um, it's the Cyborg movie with... Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Because that was Jean-Claude all... Van Damme. Yeah, yes, I can't do an accent. You're doing a better <laughs> accent than me there, Dan. Um, they actually used all the was it sets and uh, costumes and all that, and... Yeah, they'd written out it was going to be called Masters of the Universe 2, The Cyborg, mm-hmm. and The Cyborg was going to be Trapjaw from the cartoon, uh, and the, the, the toys, the guy with the metal jaw, and he replaces his arm with different weapons. But like you said, they ran out of money, and they ended up pulling the plug and really churning out really quickly that Van Damme movie, which is kind of a good movie in, in some ways, a bit of a cult movie. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, um, it doesn't get much love, does it? But... Um... I think I've watched it once or twice, and it don't look too bad. I think if it yeah. was actually a P-Man sequel, I think it would have been quite good. Um, with yeah, I agree, I agree. Because it's probably got some slightly better set designs. This is the weird thing. The set designs in Cyborg look quite good. Um, but, I can picture that, um, you know, being Eternia, oh, yeah, and yeah, you know, them running yeah. around. Yeah, absolutely, with Van Damme. <laughs> He's... He gets a short straw sometimes, doesn't he? <laughs> He's another one. We took me and you were talking yesterday about Nicolas Cage, but Van Damme's another one that we we take the Mickey out of, but we love him really, don't we? Yeah, I think that's it. I think, I, yeah, like we said about Nicolas Cage, we all take the Mick, but it's he, we do all love him. Yeah, I love Nicolas yeah, Cage. Man. He's just pure. He's, he's just pure entertainment, isn't he? I I think him, yeah, Van Damme and Nicolas Cage, they're two of the same sort of character, aren't they? Really. Um, Imagine those two in a movie together. Oof. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> Could they squeeze him into Tiger King somehow? Oh, <laughs> my God. Van Damme imagine? <laughs> Maybe Van Damme could play the tiger. <laughs> well, yeah, he's done that before, and he with a predator in some sort of <laughs> prawn outfit or something. <laughs> oh, 
bloody shrimpy prawn outfit. <laughs> that is something that he's familiar with, isn't it? So. <laughs> <laughs> The only oh, other bit dear. of trivia I wanted to mention, and again, you, this is for you, I've, I picked this up, and you, you will know this, I'm sure, but it's, yeah. it's another Friends connection. We've talked about Courtney Cox, we've talked yeah. about um, Rachel, uh, yeah. Jennifer Aniston, but in this movie alone, in the Masters Universe, you've got Courtney Cox, who, who was Monica from Friends, and the Sorceress is played by Christina Pickles, who played Monica's mum in the Friends series. So there's oh, your I other did, connection I didn't there. know that. No, I didn't really know that. Um, obviously, I knew uh-huh. about uh, Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston, but I'd never really watched Friends, so oh, I wasn't okay. really familiar with it. But um, oh, right, okay, nice little tie over there. Yeah, so um, there we go. Now, the there only other go. bit of trivia here, um, which I thought was quite cool, and it's typical canon as well, is that they actually blew up some of the sets on here, so some of the explosions and the fires <laughs> is all real. Do you know what I mean? Apparently, <laughs> they caught um, Dolph Lundgren's hair on fire in one <laughs> yeah. of the, the explosions. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if any if anyone can, can and can, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> that should be the catchphrase. Yeah, that's it. Oh dear. So that's all good stuff, mate. I think we've been over all the production, the greatness, the toys, the film composers. So, and this is one thing I always say as well in you know the, on this podcast is. The building platforms of these films, or what we've mentioned there, is just uh, it's just great, isn't it? Just all that greatness all put into one. And obviously, um, it was already built for them, really, because he had an established toy line, you had an established yeah. comic, uh, cartoon, and comics. Um, so really, it was all there for for <laughs> Golden Globus and Canon to to run with it, really. And they kind of messed it up a bit, but we'll talk about that as we go through the review. Yeah. All right, then, mate. So let's do a. Um Let's do a bite-sized review on Master of the Universe. So, Dan, because you love this movie, mate, I'll let you take, I'll let you take the helm on this, mate. Take it away. <laughs> let me know if I talk too much, though. No, 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 no. Fine, you're fine. I'll do a full you commentary on the movie. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so, look, I'll chuck in a few facts on the way, which one of them is that um, the reason this movie takes place on Earth mainly is again budgeting you know it starts off on Eternia but unfortunately the majority of the movie is on Earth um, but they do they do write it in well and I think it is fun that, that He-Man and Skeletor come to Earth I remember as a kid thinking that was really cool that they'd actually come to Earth to do battle on Earth do you know what I mean? Yeah 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 yeah. I kind of it, it does work I never really noticed that when I watched it as a kid if that makes sense it was only this week that I read that and I thought oh right but when I watched it yeah it didn't really do any harm to the film no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Um, so the movie starts on Eternia, and we see there's been a, a battle and war ra- wa- uh, raging across Eternia, as always. You can see Castle Grayskull in the background, but Skeletor has taken over Castle Grayskull, and he's captured the Sorceress. So this is kind of crazy if you were a kid at this point. You'd be like, hang on a minute. This is not what happens in the cartoon. This is weird. Um, meanwhile, He-Man and... Uh, Tila and Manatons are sort of fighting off Skeletor's troops out in the Eternian desert and they find Gwildor, don't they? Gwildor. Uh, <laughs> he's he's all tied up, isn't he? He's, uh, he's been... <laughs> Get me out of here! <laughs> what the hell he, are you? <laughs> exactly, he's like, what the hell is that? He's, um, he's a great inventor yeah. and he's invented something called the Cosmic Key. <laughs> Uh, which plays tones. It plays the tones. 
tones. And uh, the Cosmic Key, basically, if you play the right Casio keyboard tones, you can open up a gateway between space-time dimensions. It's cool. Very cool. I, I gotta say again, mate. That's that's another canon influence, isn't it? Should we just chuck that in there? Yeah, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. How are we gonna get them to Earth? Uh, what about if someone plays music? Brilliant. Put it in there. <laughs> let's let's rejig uh, like David Lee Roth's guitar from <laughs> <laughs> that cosmic that key. In. Can we talk about that for a second? What that is such a cool prop, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's it looks like it's going to kill you at the same time, doesn't it? With all the like spikes coming out of it's it. It's got so. spikes on it, yeah, definitely. But um, you press all the buttons and all these lights come out and and it plays music and everything moves on it. It's really cool looking. That must have cost a lot of the budget, just making that alone, really. Yeah, and like you say, that's quite a good special effect on there as well, isn't it? It works really well for the, you know, re-watching this film, I thought, you know, the effects are pretty good on that. Yeah. Now, he's made two of these cosmic keys, and Skeletor's stolen one of them, which is how he got into Castle Grayskull, but Gwildor's got the other one. Um, so they go into Gwildor's weird little igloo, and they have a little chat with him. Yeah, that's um, what, kind of reminded me of the Lord of the Rings a little bit here, you know, like a little hobbit house or something like that. So. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're playing with all the little uh, inventions that he's got going in there. You know, Teela's kind of... What is all this? Kind of looking around. Sarah, du- you know Sarah Douglas that played um, uh, one of the three Kryptonians in Superman? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was actually, uh, the, the rumours were that she was very close to getting the role of Teela in this as well. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I think I would have probably seen her play Evil Lynn or something like that. Well, but... those were the other rumours. The, the other rumours were that she was up for playing Evil Lynn. So she was definitely tied into this movie at some point. But oh, yes. whether she was going to be playing She-Ra or Evil Lynn, um, sorry, not She-Ra, that's somebody else altogether. Uh, Teela right. or Evil Lynn. You're in the same universe there, Dan. Don't worry, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've just seen her play that, actually. I mean, good. Um, so to escape from Skeletor's gang, um, and who's taken over Castle Grayskull, they press a few buttons and they jump through a portal. And this portal takes them, it's a portal we would like to go through, RJ, takes them back to 1987. Yeah, I could do, I could do one of those right now, Dan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> me too, buddy, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. our heroes end up back in 1987 um we get some funny scenes with Gwildor meeting a cow uh not knowing that it's oh, yeah, uh, just an animal right, yeah. yeah i forgot about that scene actually yeah it's a bit of a random scene but yeah it's cool it's, it's like moo, moo, moo. he thinks he's talking to it but he's not <laughs> he's not talking to it um we get that whole good journey thing that's another thing that came from this good journey they don't say goodbye, they say good journey in this movie, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, a little bit of a spin, that's quite good, yeah. It's sort of, quite sort of moral, isn't it, sort of spin on it, so yeah. It's and almost then, like they're forced to be with you, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's kind of what they were going with, wasn't it, so. And then you've got, um, is this where you've got old Gwildor hiding in a bush, looking at a couple kissing in the back of a car, is it trying to steal their chicken? <laughs> well, you think he's looking at the couple, but he's, yeah, he's actually looking at their chicken in a, in a, in a bucket, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's got that grapple hook, isn't he? <laughs> I want one of those. I want well, to grab some chicken with a little grappling hook. Dan, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> I want out of this movie. <laughs> a body like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> you know what? I'd, I'll probably just have Gwil doors. Well, just imagine him running around your house, you know. <laughs> well, I've just done your hoovering. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thanks, Quildor. Go and get me a beer, mate. Cheers. <laughs> now I'm just imagining him doing the Hoover in my house. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He steals the chicken from that um, that couple. And this is a fun scene because this is just to, again, highlight that they're aliens. They're from Eternia. Yeah. So Man of Arms, is, he's a hardened soldier. So he's He's been there. He's done it all. So he just tucks into this bucket of ribs and wings with yeah. Gwilda but Teela she sort of says why do they put the, the food on these little white sticks and he says these are ribs yeah that's it I, I never got that when I was you know I thought the where they come from Eternia I thought they'd be eating stuff like that so oh, I guess yeah, they're obviously all vegetarians on Eternia I was say, yeah there's, so how does uh, you know T-Man keep his beef you know he's a vegetarian I know I was <laughs> thinking that bloody hell <laughs> Get the old steroids. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe not. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I might edit that. <laughs> I'm sure He-Man's listening right now. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. Um, we do get to meet our sort of Earth heroes now, who is Julie, played by Courtney Cox, and her boyfriend, Kevin. Um, Kevin's got a really cool van that plays... Um, I'm a living in a box. I'm a living in a cardboard box yeah, when he's driving along. That was another thing I noticed. I've, I I forgot about that. That that was in there. So yeah, it's a good little uh, yeah, good little song there. He's a musician, isn't he, Kevin? He is. He is. And um, is that where you meet his friend Charlie as well? Was that a little bit later on? Uh, I think that's a little bit later on. He takes the cosmic key to Charlie to yeah. sort of say, "Hey, have you seen this?" And he says. It's probably Japanese. Uh, I've seen this before. <laughs> Every, he, th- he, th- he thought he knows what he's talking about, he thinks, doesn't he? Everything's made in Japan, isn't it? It must be from Japan. <laughs> his store gets totaled later on, though. Jesus. Yeah. He really gets tied on his store later. <laughs> yeah, he makes a little bit of a reference again to the uh, invasion of the body snatchers, doesn't he, as well? You know, so. Oh, well, I didn't catch that. What did he say? I didn't catch that. Uh, when the when he's in the store with Lubeck and it all starts um, blowing up and stuff, he said, "Oh, it's like uh, that film Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where they're all coming." Oh, out yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I just thought I sort of get what you're saying, but it's probably not the sci-fi movie that I'd probably be referring this to. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they couldn't say Star Wars or anything like that, could they? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that Luke. Um... <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> could have done a Nash, can he? Star Wars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's good that Kevin is a musician because that ties nicely into the Cosmic Key, yep. which they find in a graveyard. Now, just to touch on Julie's background, her parents were killed in a, an aeroplane crash the year before. Yep. Um, so she's she's sort of just getting through the grief of that. Um, she they, they, were, they had their own plane and they crashed. So they're visiting their graves. And this is where they find... This this crazy cosmic key device, that, and they don't know what it is. And um, they and now to me, RJ, and I'm sure you're a very sensible man as well. Especially mm. in 2020, if I found that in a hole in the ground, I would not pick it up. I would not take it to the school hall that I was going to be performing at later. I would ring the bomb squad and say, "There's a flashing, weird, spiky device in the ground here. That's definitely a bomb. Can you come and look at it, please?" Yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. But it just tends to be a trend, doesn't it, in the eighties? You know, if something lands from the sky, just grab it. A bit like the dude out of <laughs> the blob, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Or, there's or something... even the stuff where you just eat the stuff. <laughs> yes, it, yeah. It tends to be a license in the mid eighties, doesn't it? If there's something gooey with steam coming off it, it looks like it's come from the sky. Yeah, that's it. Put your hands on it. 
eat it. I'll put that in my lunchbox. <laughs> yeah, and I'll that's keep that it. For later. Yeah, don't don't call the authorities. Just do what you want with it. <laughs> I mean, it's the same. I guess it was the same with things like ET and stuff like that. You know, rather than telling adults that there is a creature, you'd just sort of it'd be your little secret as a kid, I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah, in our case, we'd probably find uh, Gwildor or something like, you know, back in the 80s. <laughs> Let's make a deal. If either of us find Gwildor, we contact each other immediately. <laughs> yeah. And when social when social distancing over, we get together for a barbecue with Gwildor and some ribs. <laughs> yeah, uh, Becky would be saying, who's that you just brought in? Who's, I can hear something. Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's okay. It's all right. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's okay. <laughs> Come on, Gwildor. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Now, this next scene really frightened me as a kid in the school hall because this Kevin tests the cosmic key and he amps it up and he, he realizes it plays these incredible signs but then they realize it does like a light show as well or what they think is a light show what they're actually doing is activating the cosmic key so Skeletor's henchmen pick up back on Eternia that the key's been activated so they start locking in on where it is on its location which is a very bad move because Kevin then takes the key to go and see his buddy Charlie who we talked about and while he's off Courtney Cox is sitting on her own in the school hall and this is where Beastman Karg Sorod and a couple of robots all turn up and rip the school hall apart yeah I see what you mean it was a bit scary wasn't it that going back uh, who's the character with the white hair he was like the leader of the pack wasn't he the sort of yeah he was Karg um, right. they there was a weird argument behind the scenes where they couldn't put some of the characters from the, the toy line and the cartoons into it. So they did invent a couple of characters like Karg. He wasn't never in any of the other ones. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of a bit of a bit of a, a wimp, isn't he, really? So yeah. Powers away from everything. I was thinking old Beastman reminded me of Team Wolf, you know. <laughs> he is insanely scary in this moment. That was the bit that scared me the most. When he's chasing her and she climbs under the stage and then she throws bleach in his face. I just think, God, that's so terrifying for a PG movie. Yes, uh, it, it's a borderline horror movie, isn't it, really? Just uh, covered over by a sort of fantasy. I always find fantasy can cover over the horror elements, can't it, in some ways? Indeed. Um, Be- uh, you know, Beastman doesn't hold back in this movie he, he grabs the janitor in the school and he sort of palm slaps him in the nose about three or four times throws him through a wall you know these guys don't mess about um my favorite character out of these henchmen apart from beastman is is sorod the guy with who's like got a, a lizard throat and he's got a laser gun and yeah. um, the one that gets killed in fact um i i was very surprised that he got killed actually because i thought he's pretty yeah. good you know he's a pretty good character actually you know i thought there's something about him He's he's probably the one who reminded me more of like one of the characters from the animated series, if that makes sense. Just yeah, he was really cool. Toy, he was a good toy as well on on the toy because they only made um, out of all of these new characters, they only made Sorod, the guy we just talked oh, about, right, and okay. Blade. Right. Okay, so he, he he was actually a character, was he? They was made him guy? into it out, off the back of this movie, so that oh, was kind I of like, see. wow, you can okay. now get him as a toy. Right. So. Always selling toys, Mattel. Always selling toys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his, fu- his his battle, his sort of function was you, you rolled down like a, a thing on his back and sparks came out of his mouth. Oh, right, okay. Um, That's pretty so cool. That, a little side note there, really. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tangent, man. <laughs> we get we end up in the, in the scrapyard now 
So this is where He-Man jumps in and says to... Um, so we haven't seen He-Man for quite some time now. So this is where He-Man jumps in to save Courtney Cox from all of these guys. And he, she immediately thinks he's a baddie because he's dressed in leather straps and you has a giant sword. You probably would think that at that time. I thought you just experienced <laughs> when you do you know what I mean? Some guy with a big sword comes out and you're sort of, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is amazing in this um you know i know that his his accent was a little ropey um and i know that you know his acting was questionable but he was built for this role he's six foot five absolutely huge bloke you know very strong very flexible he's, he's you know an international karate champion um it's just phenomenal in the role really yeah i'm with you on that one mate i think he does it great um like that's one of the things with this film. I think he really plays a He-Man character well. I think he does. You know, I couldn't really see anybody else at that time play He-Man. No, no way, I mean? man. Um, and 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 I'm weirdly, he didn't. After making the movie, he he kind of regretted it for about ten years, saying, yeah. "Oh, I was just playing playing a toy, you know, a piece of plastic." <laughs> <laughs> but but now he realizes how iconic it was you know and how it it did help his career a little bit you know obviously he did rocky and a bunch of other movies but um this movie kind of he felt for a while killed his career because he couldn't get any decent movies after this for quite some time yeah um because he would have been obviously drago uh, wasn't it um yeah i've been drago for so that came obviously came out before this wasn't it? i'm trying to think now it's Always uh, I should imagine it just did, yeah. I can find out now. So I suppose a lot of people would associate him with a bad guy, wouldn't they? So, um, yeah, and apparently Stallone, who he was buddies with, but they kind of had this like rivalry. Apparently, Stallone came to set one day, about a week or so into them filming the, the movie. I think it was during the scrapyard scene that we're just talking about now, actually. And he did say he went up to the director and quite loudly in front of Dolph Lundgren and said, "You gave that guy lines." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was just very mean. Because, <laughs> well, it is a bit, mate. But he, could, he couldn't speak any um, English, or he, he could only speak. Well, he, he's Swedish. Like? He's born, you know, in Sweden, so he's Swedish. Uh, he could speak English, but just not as well. And part of his contract, I think, was if he couldn't get the line right within a couple of takes, they would dub him over or something like that yeah but, they were looking to do that weren't they but um, I'm yeah. kind of glad they didn't because again I, see the thing is Dan I'm very forgiving with films so I kind of take them for what they are do you know what I mean you can sort of yeah I know some things are blatantly bad but it, it goes with it doesn't it really with this type of movie so uh, yeah I think I'm quite, okay quite surprised job. to see actually I've just looked it up while we're chatting um, this is his third role uh, so he was in A View to a Kill just as one of the sort of henchmen then, then Rocky Four, then Masters of the Universe God I didn't know he was in View to a Kill but I haven't seen that for a long time yeah he's um, just a background body in that I know he went on to go and do uh, I saw him about this the other day actually uh, Red Scorpion oh that was his next big movie after this it was, yeah. it was a good movie that I used to love that I was going to post that on the page actually because I thought I'd already been mentioned for a while. But um, yeah, that's the other one I was thinking of. So, um, and obviously, he wanted to go and do the Punisher as well, didn't he? Um, he did indeed. He's a very interesting character because he's a um, one of the highest levels of drumming. So he's an incredible musician. He speaks six languages. Yeah. He 
um, got offered to do an, um, a scholarship at MIT in engineering, chemical engineering. Um, his dad and his brothers are all chemical engineers. Uh, he's just an incredible person. He's very intelligent, huge guy. He did modeling for years as well. Yeah. So he's literally ticked all the boxes, really, and got to play He-Man. So I don't really know what he was complaining about when he said, you know, because <laughs> I'll take, when you take, you take that down, won't you? I'll take that, won't you? If someone said to me. He also, he also famously gave um, Sylvester Stallone concussion <laughs> when they were filming a scene in uh, <laughs> Rocky Four. Man, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's what I like about when we talk about this, all, all these things that these actors do, you start finding all this stuff out, but yeah, I'll take that. I'll tell you that. That was amazing. Totally. Totally, man. Well, yeah, here we are. So we're in the scrapyard. So this is where He-Man gets to get his sword out, as it were. Hey, And, uh... <laughs> oh, sorry, Dad, I was just going to say, we're just going, welcome to the Dolph Lundgren podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, should we just do an hour talking about how great he is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Episode 100, right, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's later years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, there we go. We could be on a hit there, mate. All right, okay. So, <laughs> so we have a really good fight in this scrapyard. Yeah. Um, Blade says, "I've waited a long time for this." Now, the reason he says that is because because his character he kind of came up with his own backstory. Right. And he he said to the director, "The reason I wear this eye patch is because I lost my eye to He-Man in a previous battle." So oh, I want my revenge. Right. Okay. So that was kind of his little bit behind okay. behind the scenes for him, really. Um, while that's all happening, Kevin's taken the, the cosmic key to Charlie, who doesn't know what they're talking about. And we get the introduction of Detective Lubick. Oh, he's a legend, isn't he? He's just... He almost kind of steals the show a little bit, didn't he, in some ways? But he's I'd forgotten. Guy. As a kid, he annoyed me. But mm. as an adult now, I really appreciate his character. I think, God, you're so funny. Yeah, he's just, um, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it, really, but he just seems to pull it off so well, doesn't he? And I think it's He's out of his depth, basically. He's out of his depth in this movie. He doesn't know what's going on, but he's trying to take charge because he's this badass detective. But his blokes with lasers and swords, he hasn't got a chance. But the funny thing is, though, Dan, is that he kind of thinks that he is in charge, but he's not, is he? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? All the way through the film, he thinks, yeah, I'm, I'm taking care of this. Yeah, not really. Like you say, it's just it's funny. I think that's what makes it funnier. He, he doesn't know what's going on, but he gets more and more involved in the plot as we go through it as well. Um, Gwildor turns up in the scrapyard in a pimp mobile at this point in his little <laughs> yeah, converted yeah, Cadillac. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that bit as well. I don't know what, what is going on with Gwildor in this movie, because later on he almost dresses a bit like a pimp as well, with a fur hat and... A well, feather boa. I'll tell you what was going on there, Dan. That that was the day Golden Globus visited the set from Canon. He said, "Hey, getting on with the film? I know. Let's put <laughs> Gwildor into a Cadillac and put some. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's, that's, they probably that's said, his interference. You know, they probably said, you know, ET in ET they dressed him as a woman. This made a lot of money. So let's do it with uh, Gwildor. Put him in a pimp coat. But make money. It's we're going to make money. They probably just thought that. Do you know what I mean? And that. That mate is just exactly how Canon put these films together. These poor they directors. They kind of made that up on the spot, didn't they? Yeah, they did. yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that with all their films. Ah, oh, it's great. Um, so the henchmen go back to Skeletor with their tails between their legs, saying, "You know, there was thousands of them. They defeated us." Um, 
And Evelyn says, well, I could have done better than that. So Skeletor says, all right, then you go and do better. And he sends her back to Earth with Beastman. Um, and he kills Sorod. This is where he kills Sorod now yeah. uh, in front of everybody, which I was gutted about. I loved him. Yeah, I was the same as you, mate. I thought, oh, I didn't, wasn't expecting him to die. I thought he'd be in it a little bit longer. But at least it demonstrates that Skeletor is actually evil. You know, he will kill his own warriors if he needs to. Yeah, I suppose now you mention it, that's a demonstration of him, isn't it? Making the bad guy even badder, I guess. So. Yeah. If he's going to kill his own man, think what he'll do to the goodies. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That corner prods that on a bit, thinking about that now. So. Yeah. So they, this is where they get the collar. And they put the collar on Kevin. So Evil and catches Kevin in his own home. And the collar is like this thing that wraps around your throat and basically gets you to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, and he reveals all. He tells them about the cosmic key and He Man and Julie, <laughs> and they get they get all the information they need. So, uh oh, look out! The baddies are, are on the up at the moment. This is where we're at. Yeah, that's right. And that's what is that where Evil Lynn's got that machine where she can look into the past or something? And she, <laughs> she, she says it doesn't look like you had your ass kicked that much. <laughs> she says she says you told me there were dozens of warriors. Yeah, that's it's just it. this man. <laughs> <laughs> and that that kind of went over my head when I was watching this as a kid because you want to see all the effects but as, I, as I've got older I've gone yes I totally get that <laughs> it's a cool Brilliant. it's a cool device and a cool yeah. invention but also she really like takes the piss out of them big because time. they liked <laughs> she completely dresses them down big time <laughs> oh, I love that um, now this is the scene now then so they all head over to Charlie's music store now don't they and this is the scene where his store gets absolutely <laughs> demolished Christ that, um, is, that is a proper death by stereo scene isn't it you know what I mean everything guitars on fire keyboards melting yeah. records you know it's all happening um, you basically got He-Man and Man at Arms defending the store Charlie is in the back with Lubick and uh, Kevin and Julie and Skeletal's henchmen are just destroying this this music shop trying to get to the cosmic key um, and evil Lynn tricks Julie here by disguising herself as her dead mum mm, and that's uh, again that's quite a creepy scene as well I thought when I was a kid because just very creepy the way she sort of draws her in and then it, she just changes doesn't she so um yeah, she gets the cosmic key off of her and they all run away. Yeah. <clears throat> and Lubick says to Charlie, Hey, you got a gun in here? <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, of course, it's the 80s. He's got a giant pump action shotgun behind the counter of his shop. <laughs> so Lubick gets his gun out and he thinks he's kind of Rambo, John McClay. He's like, I'm going to take on these, this Skeletor and his warriors with this shotgun. Don't you worry <laughs> yeah, about yeah. this. <laughs> is, is, is this the bit where he goes running out and he tries to take on all the. Uh... <laughs> Forest, yes. <laughs> and then they just turn around and it's just like huge explosion. The car blows up. He just goes, "Oh, I think I'm going to need some backup." <laughs> they blow the car to absolute pieces while he's hiding behind it, and he just looks at the camera and goes, "Holy shit! I think I'm going to need some backup." Yeah. And you know that's a, that, like I said earlier. That's a real explosion as well. I think well, yeah, because the actor, we probably just run out. Probably didn't even know that was going to blow up. Just go boom, that's it. You know, yeah, that's great, brilliant, <laughs> fantastic. I will, 
I will just say there is a really cool girl power moment in the Charlie shoot store shootout scene where Teela gets sick of everybody like just not shooting anybody. So she jumps out, she sort of jumps over a desk, and she takes out like ten bad guys in yeah, ten that's seconds. Right. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I, and, I totally and then agree, she yeah. just she looks at her dad and goes, "Woman at arms." Yeah, she, she just but that's so cool. Goes into like a Sigourney Weaver moment there, didn't she? Like proper Ripley kicking some butt, so. Well, I'll be honest with you now, RJ, just between me and you. Go on. I had the massive hots for her when I was a younger well, chap. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one as well. Yeah, I think, I think, we, all, I think we all did. <laughs> I mean, Teela anyway, but real life Teela with guns beating people up. She's a badass. Yeah, she That's is I'm a total say. badass, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm with you on that one, buddy. <laughs> Uh, what about the hoverboards then what do you think about the hoverboard scene now so we're moving on to the hoverboards now well again I thought that was pretty good you know for this film you know for a canon movie you know with the budget that they had I thought that was pretty good and I think that um, effect still stands up today isn't there a scene in one of the Highlander movies where this kind of thing happens or am I getting that muddled up oh I don't know because I'll let you in on a secret I've only ever seen the first Highlander movie I'm sure there's a scene in another movie. Maybe I'm wrong then. Um, but they have these kind of discs that they stand on and zoom around on. Maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I, can't, I don't know. You know what? I um, can't really think of it. Because, yeah, I can't. I can only ever think of He-Man with this. Yeah. But other, it's cool, man. The only other film I can think of is um, The Avengers Assembled. When mm. the bad guys are flying around on the hover. I'm sure oh, yeah, they, they have these little like things like they stand on, don't they? Yeah, so... Uh, it's the only one I can think of. Yeah, so uh, Skeletor decides if you want something done right, you do it yourself. So he comes to Earth with his giant squadron of soldiers. And this is epic, man. As a kid, watching this big sort of tank drive down the street, but it's hovering <laughs> yeah, it, with all yeah. these guys around him. It's just, wow, man. Again, it's just another great effect scene, isn't it? And it kind of reminded me of the, uh, was it Jabba the Hutt's? Sand yacht. It is a bit like that sand barge thing that he rides in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like, I guess they were kind of trying to make, they were copying Star Wars a little bit, you know, Mm. and they definitely tried to point Skeletor's direction at more at Darth Vader, didn't they, with the black robes and. Yeah, bit of an amalgamation of all that. You definitely could feel that there. Um, Skeletor ends up. shooting a couple of people um he-man gets knocked off his hoverboard after taking a few guys out there's some aerial acrobatics which is really cool and then judy monica from friends gets shot in the leg and she gets this green slime growing out of her leg which doesn't look very nice at all that was pretty nasty i thought that, that looked pretty grim when i saw this as a kid again it's another yeah. sort of horror moment isn't it i thought her leg is sort of, sort of ruined and like say green and pussy uh Man of Tom says, oh, it's a, it's a particular gift of Skeletor's that he gives to people. You know, so it's obviously something that Skeletor does. He shoots you, Ooh. infects you. <laughs> he gives you gangrene, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> um, He-Man gives himself up. You know, they, he allows himself to be captured if he lets everybody go. So they take him back to Castle Grayskull as a slave because Skeletor is very happy he says, if I kill him, I make him a martyr. If I keep him as a slave, they'll do everything I want because I've, you know, I've proven to them that I've taken down the most powerful man in the universe. So he takes him back to Castle Great Skull. 
that leaves our hero stranded on Earth. So Kevin re- explains to Gwildor that he is a musician and he can recreate these tones that are needed to open up a gateway. So that combined with Gwildor's technology and inventor and brain, they can do it. So he goes off to get a Casio keyboard from the shop. Good old Casio, can't be there. Good old Casio. Put it on demo mode, RJ. Pick yourself up a watch along the way as well. Get that old calculator oh, watch yeah. on there. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and he sort of, I love this bit where Quildor's like, he plays the buttons like, boo, boo, boo. He's like, oh, fascinating. <laughs> and he's like, brr, brr. He's like, I had no idea he had such inventions on this planet. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's a keyboard. Come on. <laughs> you, you invented a cosmic key and you're impressed with that it, it's funny when I was watching this yesterday I, I kept hearing you doing that impression if you know what I mean I thought, when I was watching I thought bloody hell I knew you was going to start saying that when we got to this bit it's the tones Kevin the tones he's just tones. he's just tapping any old key isn't he just like... it's ridiculous really. oh, but they, man, they recreate brilliant. the tones which is fantastic um so they're, they're going to come to Castle Grayskull soon. But before they do, we get the whole sort of Skeletor whipping He-Man. It's quite uh, homoerotic at this point. We've got Blade whipping He-Man with this electric whip. And yeah. Skeletor is sort of wanting to watch him suffer. And everyone's very afraid. You know, Skeletor's gone full-on evil here. And then he gets the power. Because He-Man has the power, but Skeletor gets the power. <laughs> At this point, yeah, he, he, is this where he's got all the gold costume on and all that? Oh, right? so, he's pimped, he's pimped himself out. Yeah, I was just waiting for uh, Prince to turn up and start doing a song <laughs> or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> he turns around when he's got the gold on. He says, "I am a god," and he's got this huge spiky gold stuff all over him. He just yeah. looks insane, and again. As a kid, that never bothered me. It didn't bother me that they didn't look like Skeletor. It was just, it was a whole new story that I was watching, do you yeah. know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I say, being a fan of the, you know, toy franchise and all that, so. Totally, man. Now, my favourite little bit for Lubick is where he decides he's going to take charge. And just as he jumps into action to try and stop the wall, they press the right tones on the keyboard and they all get sent back to Castle Grayskull and Eternia, including Lubick, who's like, what the hell is going on here? I'm in this giant castle. Half of the cars come with them as well, because it only took like the surrounding area. And uh, he's in the middle of a, shout- a shootout in Castle Grayskull now. Yeah, I suppose feet. I'm only just. This is only the penny's only just sort of dropped here with this. When I think about it, he's a bit like Jack Burton, isn't he? Lubick. <laughs> he really I mean? is. Because. <laughs> You know, he's trying to be the leading man, but he ain't working out. And all of a sudden, he's ended up at that sort of final scene of big trouble, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, you know, he's sort of boom, 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 you know. <laughs> he starts shooting them up, doesn't he? He starts using the old pump-action shotgun, doesn't he? Now? He does. Well, he he doesn't initially, and then a few people shoot at him, and he turns around and he says, nobody takes pot shots at Lubig. <laughs> that, that's it, then. That's what pushes his buttons. And he just starts pumping the gun and shooting at them all. Um, absolutely brilliant. And we get loads of cool fights and laser beams. Kevin sort of becomes a bit of a hero as well. Uh, He-Man does an incredible feat of strength where he pushes over these gigantic pillars um, to crush some of Skeletor's uh, baddies. Um, 
And all of a sudden, Golden Globe is walking and say, that's the end, guys. You've got two days to wrap up. So this is the final. I know. I <laughs> this know. is where we have the final scene now. Could you imagine being the director on this film and him coming in oh. and saying that? Do you know, you think, what? You know. You would have this incredible time. vision of this final epic fight scene between the two guys. And instead, you've got to just do what they did, which which kind of works. You know, it's kind of a lightsaber-y type scene. There's sparks yeah. flying and... Dolph Lundgren spinning that broadsword around and, and Frank Langella spinning his Havoc staff around. The best bit about it really is Dolph Lundgren picks up the sword at this point and obviously says, you know, I have the power, which as a kid, when he did that, man, my, I jumped up so high. And still now, I messaged you while I was watching yeah, it the other night. Yeah, I remember you saying about that, yeah. Um, as soon as he says that, man, I'm just like, yes, it works, it works. You have the power. Um, he doesn't transform. He's already He-Man. He's not Prince Adam, but you know he—he's got his electricity flowing for him. He manages to defeat Skeletor. Skeletor falls off to his doom, or so we think. Yeah, until the end credits. Until the end credits. Um, before we get there, we got um, the wrap-up where Lubix decided he's going to stay on attorney as some kind of prince oh, with a hot some, wife. Uh, they got some page three girls on the attorney, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. says. He says. Are you kidding me? What am I going to go back for? I got a great view. I got fresh air, clean water. I got a hot girl. What am I going to go back there for? And like, yeah, fair enough. All right. Good. Cool. Who was going to wash me underpants for me? <laughs> and he's got like this this white robe on. And yeah. he's, he's, in, he's eating grapes as well, I think, isn't he? Oh, uh, he, he has adapted very, very quick. Isn't he? <laughs> he's adapted you know I mean? in minutes. Yeah, do you know what I mean? He, he's not thinking about his wife and everybody at home that he's left on earth. No, I'm fine. I'm all right. Nah, it's all right. I'll live in this castle. Fuck it. That's a great... He almost just steals a show at the end of the movie with that, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? It's just great. And again, he's become another character behind the scenes that fans over the years have really thought about. Some fans have thought maybe he became other characters or he stayed around and became like an oh. advisor or like a sheriff of, of attorney and stuff like that. So there's loads of stuff you could do with that, really, if you wanted. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, we get a really touching scene um, now. And I think this is done really well when um, they send Julie and Kevin back to Earth through the dimensional portal they all say good journey to each other you know we never say goodbye we say good journey yeah and um what judy and kevin realize is they've been sent back the day that her parents got killed in the plane crash That's so right. she's able to stop that it's almost a sam beckett quantum leap moment she's about to put right one what, what's went wrong yeah it's got the same feel to it isn't it and uh she does she steals the keys um so they can't go up in the plane she goes off to meet kevin and uh yeah that's that's kind of the end of it, isn't it? Yeah, it ends on a happy note, doesn't it? And then, like you say, you've got your final bit there, Dan. I'll let you tell this. Was it the old? <laughs> I've got the. Power I don't really know where they were going with this, but I assume they they thought Frank Langella would come back, or they'd do a sequel. I mean, they knew they do. A, they were trying to do a sequel, but after the credits, we get um. Well, we obviously get He-Man, first of all, just before the credits, say, say again, I have the power. And that's, you know, the epic bit. But after the credits, you get Skeletor without his hood, pop out of some sort of red liquid, who's obviously at the bottom of this pit that he's been thrown down. And he looks at the camera and he gives an Arnie quote, doesn't he? Yeah, that's it. It's, um, like you say, they obviously thought they Be might back. have a sequel or something like that for it. But um, I guess in some ways it kind of leaves, just leaves it open, doesn't it, really? So... 
that was one of the first uh, after credit scenes, really, wasn't it? Like, for me, anyway. Like, Marvel do it all the time now. You know, you're always going to get a scene after the credits. But I, I, I didn't even know about it, really, for years. And I had it on VHS. And I remember one day, I let, it was letting it play. And I was like, I don't know what I was doing in my room, just talking or whatever. Yeah. And suddenly that bit came on. And I thought, I've owned this movie for about five years. And I didn't know that comes up after the credits. That's crazy. I think you could be right. This could be, that could be the first time they've done that. Because I can't think of any other film around about that time that did that. I, I certainly can't think of any. No. It was oh. awesome. You know what, Dan? I'm going to have to go and rewatch Predator now just to make sure there's something at the end I ain't missing. <laughs> <laughs> we skip through to the end credits. You never know what you're going to get at the maybe end like, credits. Maybe like a Predator arm coming through the jungle or something like that. <laughs> that I didn't, I, like, I missed or something. So, yeah, I've got to go through all my <laughs> movies just to make sure. So, um, They're going to put She-Ra in this movie as well. Um, and the behind-the-scenes sort of uh, character design, they drew She-Ra into this as well. But in the end, they couldn't figure out a way to do it uh, and, and fit her in as well. Because obviously that is a whole separate story anyway with She-Ra, He-Man's twin sister. So they just couldn't, couldn't yeah. figure out a way to do it, really. Yeah, that would have been cool. I suppose they would have had that possibly as a maybe in the sequel or something like that with her. I don't know, but... Um... Yeah, no, it's a great movie, mate, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? Um, I, totally. I, I, I totally, I give it a thumbs up, you know. It's, 100% it's, thumbs it's, up on this one. It's 80s, it's canon. Are you entertained by this film? Yeah, big time, aren't you, really? Do you know what I mean? It's, it puts a smile on your face. Like I say, you've got the comic relief with Gwildor. Um, you've got some big. Real, you've got some real explosions, fires, all that sort of stuff. It's just old school. You've got aliens, you've got swords, lasers, you know, um, castles, witches, magic, monsters. You've got real humans thrown in the mix, you know, in, in, on Earth. And I think that's why it works, because all of this stuff comes to Earth, you know. You know, it's just, it's not happening on an alien planet. It's happening where we live. And it's like, oh my God, this is quite scary. All this stuff's going on. Yeah, do you know uh, what the weird thing is, though? It's, it's funny, every time I talk about films, I always think of like a light bulb goes off in my head but now when you think about it someone could actually say oh wouldn't it be cool if we could have a he-man movie on earth and that's kind of what you got here they've done it that's what you got got they've done it you know because it always took place on on eternia and all these foreign planets but he-man never came to earth that i can recollect in the cartoon or anything um which is funny because his mum is actually an earthling in the comics and the cartoon Oh, wow, I didn't know that. You know a lot more about it than I do. Um, <laughs> but, Sorry. Um, no, 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 I love it. I love it, mate. I love all this trivia. Uh, but it's like what you said earlier. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if He-Man was having a fight in a in a music shop with drums and, <laughs> and guitar? Yeah, and you know, what would happen if Beastman came to a school hall and smashed it up? You know, that kind of stuff. It kind of happens in this movie, really. <laughs> yeah, you kind of get all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's like I say, it's a fun movie. So, um yeah, no, thanks, Dan. Thanks for coming on the show, mate, for that. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man, and allowing me to talk about a subject which is very, very close to my heart, as well, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, mate, I've had a whole ton of fun with this episode, mate, talking about this with you. Do you know what I mean? It's just great, you know. It's just what you can conjure up, eh, you know, with talking about a movie. And, um, I've said this before, it's just, it's just that's kind of what the 80s does to you and talking about films. It just brings out all this magic and stuff, so... Um, it's just yeah, that nostalgia, it. isn't it, really? Yeah, the nostalgia and all that sort of stuff. So, um, the only other thing I was going to say, mate, before we uh, wrap the show up, was um, 
that film that we watched the other day was it the fire and ice movie fire and ice so you recommended that to me yeah Yeah. tell us about that yeah so um come out in 1983 it was made by ralph basky who did the lord of the rings animation and i just found it by surprise on i think it was on amazon just clicking through 11 o'clock at night and i was totally entertained by it you know what i mean the animation the music the characters the story and it's an only only an 80 minute film but it sort of got you to point a to b pretty quick did everything you want to do it was borderline cartoon porn, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. I mean, you, know well, I mean? you recommended it to me. Yeah. Uh, and I found I actually found it on YouTube yeah. as well. Oh, um, right. So I watched it on YouTube and I thought, this is right up my alley. This looks like He-Man. Great, let's start yeah. watching it. But then within minutes, there was a girl in a G-string. <laughs> yes, And I know, pretty yeah. much nothing else rolling around. And then there was the girl in it wears nothing more than a G-string, really, for the majority of the film. Yeah, there's uh, not much for the imagination there, is there, with that? Uh, to be yeah. honest, the guys don't wear much. They're wearing kind of thongs as well, really, well, for I was going to say, what, <laughs> what, did the illustrator run out of ink or something? Do you know what I mean? You know, but it's a pretty cool... Um, it's got that re- uh, rotoscope animation. Yeah, um, so they, they actually got real actors, you know, to act out the parts. Same as that old Lord of the Rings movie, like you said, by the same guy. And... I'd really recommend that, and I'm sure you would, RJ. It's a pretty cool cartoon if you like He-Man or or Crawl or any of these sort of fantasy yeah. warrior like yeah. Beast. I, weren't you watching the Beastmaster the night? Did I see you watching that as well? I watched that as well the other night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, I think it was Mark Singer who plays the lead character, and he's he's someone else who's like He-Man, isn't he? Similar sort of thing. Well, talking of which, did you see what I was watching the other night? I was watching Conan the Destroyer the other night. I'm a big fan of that film. I love it. it. Yeah, it's so bad that it's good, isn't it? That yeah. movie. Um, I think the thing that saves it with that is probably a little bit of the humour, the soundtrack. I quite like. Um, yeah, and Grace Jones, man, she's <laughs> badass in that movie. Yeah, I, uh, funny enough, uh, Ricky Morgan from How Mean. He actually he commented, didn't he, on your? <laughs> he on, said yeah, he said uh, how to make an instant bad guy put yeah. a toxic crusader mask on a an, on a wrestler and tell them to do a spinning uh airplane move or something which is pretty much what happens in that movie that's what i like about ricky that's just that's just off the tongue for rick it's just something he'll just come out and say do you know what I mean? he's a funny guy he's, he's oh. got a way with it way with words that guy's a he's, he's a poet he is a poet um but the other one i was going to mention as well when you was talking about she-ra is um, Red Sonja. Yes, so, of course. Um, it's kind of like, for me, when I was re- again, I re-watched it because I did a review on it. And um, I thought, well, God, you know, this is it's more like a sort of He-Man movie, do you know what I mean? With Schwarzenegger and... Uh, oh, I've forgotten her name now. Um, Bridget, uh, Bridget Nelson. Nelson, yeah. So, um, again, that sort of genre. So, I think um, if they had have put Shiva in this, I would like to have seen... Helen Slater that played oh, Supergirl. Man, yeah, because yeah, she's imagine. she's canon actress anyway. I'd yeah. like to have seen her play She-Ra in in this movie if they'd have done that. Absolutely, yeah, she would have pulled that off totally, yeah, big time. So could you again, she's that? another massive ten-year-old crush for me. You know, oh, when I was yeah. ten, she was. Whew, whew. <laughs> <laughs> again, when I was, uh, I did a podcast with uh, Gary Hill from Cinema Beef. 
And he said something like that. He said, oh, he's, uh, he's a big Helen Slater fan, isn't he? Yeah, he said... Uh, I've heard, Gary, I've heard you talk about that woman many times. Yeah, he and said, I agree, uh, and I agree with every word you say, my friend. He, he said, if your balls... <laughs> he said, if your balls haven't dropped as a 12-year-old... <laughs> <laughs> he did say that, he did say that. That was his catchphrase. Oh, good old Gary, he really <laughs> that'll is. Be on, that'll be on his tombstone, Gary, <laughs> that's going in your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's he's as dry as a bone with that whip man it's just <laughs> hilarious <laughs> oh man so there you go I think I think maybe that's a good one to wrap it up on <laughs> yeah let, well maybe we should say good journey yeah good journey good journey so <laughs> yeah like I say thanks Dan um before I do some admin and all that sort of stuff the other thing I was going to say Dan if you want to come back on the show um and there's other films that you want to talk about because world's your oyster mate is there anything you want to talk about um, yeah i mean we've talked about that i'd be well excited to come back on and and talk about my man jackie chan i know you mentioned police story um and yeah. jackie is my boy yeah, um and, and you touched on into the dragon to me the other night as well so that's that that pulled my strings a little bit so you know it's your show yeah, you no, I, know, I was thinking I'm, I'm if happy you, to come back on, man. Oh, we'll put those aside for you and um, have a look at the, yeah, Enter the Dragon and Police Story because I know, again, that's one of your, I know you're into martial arts and that sort of stuff as well. So I know that's your bag. And yeah, man. didn't you say that you visited a Jackie Chan set or something like that? Or I've met Jackie Chan five times, uh, weirdly. Have you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, I didn't know I that. Have. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the Jackie Chan. Well, I was in the Jackie Chan UK fan club um, right. many years ago. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I wrote some um, articles for the magazine, the UK magazine, the Jackie Chan fan club magazine. And I got picked well, along with about six people to go to Hong Kong for Chinese New Year um, to this big fan party that he throws. Right. Uh, and I, I went along. They paid for all the flights. They paid for the hotel. Um, wow! So Jack, Jackie Chan flew, basically flew me out. Weirdly, yeah. I don't. I don't know how it happened. It's really like when I tell it out loud now, it feels like a stupid dream, but it happened. And yeah, we went to Hong Kong, and for five days we were ushered from place to place. We thought we'd only be meeting him once at the party. We ended up meeting him four different times during our trip to Hong Kong. And on the last time we met him in Hong Kong. We had dinner with him and he was sat right next to me having dinner with me which was insane it's one of my the, probably one of the best things that's happened to me yeah. apart from marrying yeah. my beautiful wife alice of course yeah no absolutely mate yeah yeah i, I that's an amazing story mate I, I didn't i knew you said something about that in the past but yeah yeah great. and i imagine he's quite a nice bloke as well isn't he? in real life absolutely lovely bloke yeah, and yeah. I met him again about a month or so later in London in um, Planet Hollywood because uh, Shanghai Noon came out and we got oh, yeah, to go to the movie, premiere. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool. Uh, and he seemed to remember me. And I, I think he was just being nice, but he said, oh, I've met you before. And maybe he remembered me. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But we ended up chatting again. And yeah, he's such a lovely guy. You know, yeah. that, that persona that you see with Jackie Chan it is very real. He's a very lovely, smiley guy. He might have remembered your beard, Dan. Right. Maybe, maybe. I had a right, smaller beard back then, oh, but maybe he remembered it. <laughs> um, no, that's great, man. Like I say, um, definitely go back and cover some police story and some Enter the Dragon. So, um, so yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for coming on today. Um, Thank you. Thank you. 
So I'm just going to wrap the show up, guys. A uh, little bit of admin. I am a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out the shows, including Dan's show, or Dan and Gav's show, Podcast on Haunted Hill. And i got a Facebook page, um, some stuff going on there. If you want to post anything on there, let me know if there's any films you want me to cover. And you can find Bite Size Cinema on iTunes and YouTube and several other players on the internet if you type in podcast, um, Bite Size Cinema podcast on there. And I will be back soon. I'm covering uh, a couple of movies. I'm going to be doing District 9. Um, oh, yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah, I thought I'd need to talk about that one, Dan. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good one. And I'm also going to be ta- doing Taken with Liam Neeson. Um, yeah 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 i'll be tuning in for that one and i'd thought i'm going for something a little bit different is a film that doesn't really get spoken about that much i don't think it's a weird film probably not everybody's cup of tea we'll have a look at it it's called the beach from 2000 with leonardo dicaprio Um, that's interesting oh yeah that'd be interesting to hear you talk about that i yeah that's a long time since i've seen that movie man which is um funny enough dan it's danny boyle mate and i know you're you are covering Danny Boyle, aren't you, on your next one? Yeah, uh, if I may, just very quickly yeah. plug episode 90 of Far the podcast away, on We're going to be doing um, 28 days later and 28 weeks later in line with everything that's happening at the moment, infections, yeah. etc. We're going to be covering those movies. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I say, a little bit of a segue. I quite like Danny Boyle. I think he does... He's certainly got a signature to his films. Um, yeah, definitely. He's um, he's a very good director. Um, and most of his films hit well. Um, so, yeah, excited uh, to hear you yeah. talk about The Beach. It's a long time since I've watched that movie. Yeah, the reason why I'm going to talk about that, Dan, is because uh, it, what I came away in 2000 with that film is, I think the point of Danny Ball with this story is the fact you can go to a lovely beach and be in paradise, but you still have to deal with the same problems you do in the normal world. So, I will go into that one too. So, um, but there you go. So, yeah. Okay, guys. Um, keep it bite size. Keep it safe. And I'll see you later on. Take care. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs>
horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.